the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunt Withrow underway on this Tuesday edition. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can stream the show live as, w- as well as Twitter. Uh, follow us there and uh, or archiving and uh, going back and watching parts of the show. You can check out our YouTube page. Just search Outkick. We hope you'll subscribe there. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. We have uh, John McClain and Trey Wallace coming up in a bit. We also, well, we knew one thing about the Super Bowl going in. We didn't know who, who would win, although we backed Kansas City. We knew it was Correctly, going to be... Correctly, mind you. We knew it was going to be Kansas a massive City. audience. And, well, it was. The largest audience, the largest and, and most watched telecast in history. Average viewership, 123.4 million. Total audience, much higher, with 202 million people tuning in for at least part of the game it's the highest unduplicated total in audience history and uh, for a, a number of reasons. Of course, overtime, you had the drama of this game, uh, the superstar quarterback power of Patrick Mahomes. You had the star power of Taylor Swift and Las Vegas. But, Chad, 202 million individuals tuned in plus 123 million. Now, keep in mind, last year, the initial number was 115 when it first came out. And 123 is this year's Super Bowl number. That's massive. NFL always wins. They'll always find a way to continue to climb this number. But football is a unifier. Super Bowl Sunday is everyone's gathering for a party in some way, form or fashion. And when the TV's on, you don't necessarily have to be watching it. But millions upon millions are, yet again. It's such a uniquely American... It's our own holiday, and it, it celebrates all things that we love, right? Togetherness, yep. football, commercialism, uh, capitalism, all of it, right? Good products. Uh, we, we love things in America, and we love football, and it delivered once again. Now, the one thing that I, I hate about all this is the Paramount Plus gaffe, the snafu, where they had issues with their streaming. They're still going to get credit for people that went there and got pissed off about it and went away. If you went to Paramount Plus and clicked on Super Bowl coverage and you got a buffering message like this one right here, you still count that $200 million. Yes. So I don't like that little addendum in the story that says, even with Paramount Plus's issues, it's still a record for the streamer. And I'm thinking, I don't want to give them credit for that right there. I, I get it. It's the Super Bowl. And people that are cord cutters that have Paramount they went to that streaming service, and they got that. They got an error message when they went there. Some of them may have not gone back, for all I know. They shouldn't count the $202 million, but they do. They're going to count that number. If you went there and clicked on it and spent any time on that error message, you were on the Super Bowl broadcast, even if Paramount Plus screwed it up. Now, it's still an event that a vast majority of Americans watch on network television and on some form of TV, but still. Get it right, Paramount. I'm, I'm nitpicking a bit here, but I don't like that part of the story being thrown in there as, even with the issue, still a record day for Paramount+. Plus. Well, great. Fix the issues. It's the Super Bowl. We want our Super Bowl to go off without any hitches, to be perfect, and the game was damn near perfect. So yeah, that part it of it, they got right. Yeah. And I mean, and Usher. Usher, I thought, yeah. was and, uh, as close to perfect audience, as you can get. They had record numbers, by the way, in Canada as well. Not to this number. But you had a massive audience in Canada that reported their numbers yesterday. Um, Must so, have been a slow hockey night. 
on I, Sunday. I guess so. Were the Maple Leafs not playing Sunday night? I don't know. They must have uh, an off. Or, or if they were, that's why the number was uh, much lower than. No what big was curling events going on <laughs> in Canada. No maple syrup making contests. None of that happening. I don't think they so. had to tune in the Super Bowl. I guess. Wow, weird. Uh, and it, they'll continue to do this globally uh, across the across the board. Uh, but the again, that they have to be thrilled, of course, with the the states and what CBS is pulling, but. Canada setting record numbers as well, and it peaked during the halftime show. Not by much, though. Yeah, it was like uh, I saw it was like a 23-minute window, and the halftime show was right in the middle of that window where they yep. had the most viewers. Yep. So it, it always does. 7% increase, by the way, from last year's Super Bowl to this year. Yeah. I expect, unless it's just an awful matchup, right, I think next year is probably going to have another 5 to 7% increase. The way this is going for the NFL. I, I, wonder, I just think it's going to continue going up. One thing I would ponder is uh, what would have happened if Detroit were playing? You have the true underdog element to it instead of the Chiefs being the underdog. I, I don't you think get the, more or you think the number's practically the same? I don't think of the 49ers as like a huge national draw either. Um, I think a year ago, uh, Chiefs-Eagles to me is a better matchup. Yeah. Of middle of America, East Coast, big market. Now, San Francisco is a, a huge market, don't get me wrong, but I, I think from a television standpoint, that would be the better matchup. I think Detroit would have been fantastic, um, not, not from a market size or a fan base size, but because they would be the ultimate underdog story against the ultimate villain in the Chiefs now because they've become the New England Patriots. They've become the dynasty of the NFL. So I think the numbers could have been even better. It's tough to say... You know, uh, you're going to go way over 202 million or whatever it was for the game. Um, but maybe it would have been a little bit better with the Lions. Chad, I wonder uh, if uh, Representative from Tennessee, uh, Congressman Steve Cohen, is pissed off that the number, the, the record number peaked during the halftime show uh, when everyone was on their feet for, yeah, or you got it bad, uh, instead of the Black National Anthem, uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Everyone stands for the, the National Anthem. Um, and he's upset that everyone wasn't on their feet and, and it rose to acknowledge uh, the Black National Anthem, lift every voice and sing, to the point where uh, he's tweeting this out, expecting that everyone stands to address that song as well. Um, he's, he's, got, he's got a couple of things just way off base here. First, I bet half the people that you would counter walking into that stadium, have no clue that it's going to be played or what it is. Second, why, if that's true, why didn't everyone stand for America the Beautiful from Post Malone? And I'm guessing he has no issue with players kneeling for the national anthem about 10 years ago. That, that, that would be my response there. All, I mean, the, the funny response would be, then why does everyone stand for uh, God Bless the USA when Lee Greenwood uh, yeah. because well, that's out of that may just be in the state of Tennessee or in the South. No, but I, yeah, it is funny to see people rise for that. Yes. I got into a big discussion about that uh, with when I was with my family uh, in the mountains recently, and I was having to explain to my family that you realize this is not the Francis Scott Key version of our national anthem. This is just a song that Lee Greenwood wrote. They could not comprehend right. that it was not like an American anthem you stand for. Yeah. Uh, which you and I always laugh about when people stand Everyone for that stands. song. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about lift every voice and sing. I, I would honest. I'd like to get an honest poll question, an opinion of African Americans across this great nation, and I'd like to poll them and ask who knew this song 
start to finish and the words to it before when did it start 2016 2017 it this was, became a thing no it was it was well after that it, so it was 2020 it was around two years George ago. Floyd right yeah is when we started hearing this song and they played at the Super Bowl for the first time yesterday last year I don't think even African Americans acknowledged this as their national anthem until 2020. So the NFL trying to force it into their broadcast, the NFL has done more for this song than anyone else. The national anthem is the national anthem. It is all Americans. I consider any American, a citizen of this country, regardless of race or religion, to be an American, and that song is for you. It's for me. It's for you. It's for everyone. The black national anthem to me, is something that was created in 2020 that may have gone back years before, but no one even knew what it was until then. Well, it goes back a, a long a, a long. I time don't prior. know a single black person that knew this was the national anthem that they're supposed well, to acknowledge before this started. Well, uh, but they... It, so the nas- our national anthem represents everyone. Right. It's not... That's a, that's exactly my point. Like it's not a white or black national right. anthem. Right. It is the well, national anthem. Well, there's uh, this is he's just pandering to his constituents here. He of uh, course Steve Cohen uh, represents the ninth district, which is sixty seven percent black. He drives an eighty six caddy. Um, he's white. Like so, I mean, and by the way, he's the only Democrat and the congressional delegation in the state of Tennessee. But the point being, like. This is just, this is making a stir for the simple cause of making a stir. Right. And the, look, the, was, was he at the game? Um, I, I mean, don't based, think based on his so. outrage, you would expect if everyone, everyone, he doesn't know who stood or he didn't. Is he just basing it off the, the shots of the, the crowd? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he was there. But, you know, Matt Gates also uh, posting. They're desecrating America's na- national anthem by playing something called the Black National Anthem. Well, He's just placating to his group, too. No, they're not, they're right? not desecrating. Uh, again, they're, no one's kneeling or staying in the locker room for this, either. No, but I, my point is, like the, but that right there, if you're that... I, I don't, I'm not offended by the song. I, I just think that you stand for the national anthem. And I'd like for the national anthem to mean the national anthem for every American. And not a separate race national anthem. Yeah. That, that's that's my point with this. They're also not desecrating the national anthem. They're still playing the national anthem last. That's the last song to play. So to Gates's point, that that's also not true. That that's extreme. Just like this uh, politician from Tennessee Steve is Cohen. being extreme about it. Yeah, the, uh, this uh, uh, "Lift Every Voice and Sing" composed in the 19th century, and uh, by James Weldon Johnson. Uh, as an ode to hope for African-American freedom as well as faith. That's fine. But uh, to act like it's uh, something that must be, uh, you stand and uh, you, you salute in some way is, I mean, uh, you're also not, uh, you're not taking a swipe by sitting down and eating a hot dog while this is going on. I mean, again, because you could do the same thing with America the Beautiful. And it, how do we know this is, this is just universally just known? Uh, because the reporters aren't taking attendance on what everyone else is doing during the song, like they did during the national anthem. Who took a knee? Who didn't? Who was in uh, locking arms and who didn't? That was going on for far too long. Like taking attendance on which players show up to the voluntary yeah, practice. Well, and that was the that was the protest part of. It. I don't think anybody that is sitting during this is protesting. They're just saying this no, isn't the I'm national saying. anthem. 
That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, yeah. this is just causing a stir for the sake of trying to cause a stir. Yeah. Period. But the people who were kneeling for the national anthem were trying to cause a stir. That's what, that was their attempt. <laughs> so yeah. they were actually trying to make a statement. That's why I, people were taking role on guess, who was standing. I guess I, I don't need some white guy telling me the, about the black national anthem. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I don't, I don't see the outrage. Chad, you, you were like, I don't know. I don't uh, know any black people well, who acknowledge it as their national anthem I don't know, I, before 2020. I don't know any of uh, the, the guys we would hang out with that would be outraged about not standing. No, I, don't, I, I don't care. Again, I, I don't care regardless. Like, it's just, it's the NFL doing what the NFL does, right, when it started this. Well, so it's not, I, I didn't get mad about it. I also don't care if someone doesn't stand up at, at the Super Bowl for it. Yeah, but, but or, or period. But, I, I mean, I'm I, I, talking with whenever this was going on through the NFL to uh, friends of ours who played or maybe in an in, in NFL front office, they, they almost said, like, yeah, you wouldn't know about it because you're not, you're not black, so you wouldn't know about this song. And that, but they didn't take offense to it. It was just like, a, it was almost like I wasn't supposed to know about it. <laughs> Steve Cohen saying I should. Well, I, here's what I like about most Super Bowl traditions and, and most things that we acknowledge before a game. It's something meant for everyone to know. Uh, I, I prefer those things. I don't like excluding because of race, class, whatever, and saying you're not supposed to know about this. You're white. You don't need to know about it. And if that's the case, then no one should be, including this politician, no one should be upset about anyone who didn't stand for it if it's not meant for right. us as in uh, the, the white people of the world. I, I, don't, I don't understand that, and I, I want to get back to a place where the national anthem is our national anthem. I mean, our national anthem, white, black, Hispanic, wherever you're from, well, you're in this country, you are a citizen, this is our national anthem. And it is. Yes. And it is. Yes. I mean, Chad, what's next? Are we going to be playing like, uh, you know, Country Boy Can Survive, Please Rise for Buy Me a Boat from the latest country artist? <laughs> I, I pray not. No. I pray not. Absolutely not. And by the way, we shouldn't be standing uh, to uh, acknowledge uh, Lee Greenwood either. With God bless the USA. Yeah. People no. stand and you know, look at the flag for that like it is the national anthem, which is also funny. Yeah. Let, let's, no columns about that, though. Right. Let's, um, let's get back to our national anthem, and that's it. Chad, uh, can we get back to not having to go into the conspiracy theories that the NFL is rigged? Or that you know, there's there's one there's there's one party that is uh, outraged about uh, certain celebrities attending a game to help another party or endorse another party because, uh, well, that discussion ended pretty quickly after Sunday's game. Everything doesn't have to be a side or a camp that you take on something. Smart people of the world can have different opinions on different subjects and different areas of interest. That, I, it's, that's totally fine for anyone to do that, right? Like, it's my opinion, uh, being someone who I consider myself, you know, relatively intelligent. I might not be as smart as Vivek Ramaswamy. He seems like a very intelligent guy, very well-read, knows a lot of things. But when he floats a crazy conspiracy theory about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey being involved in some deep state CIA conspiracy for the Chiefs to get all the way to a Super Bowl so Taylor Swift can endorse Joe Biden and get all the Swifties to vote for Joe Biden when he floats that out there. And then outlets take that and run with it like it might actually be somewhat true. And I know not everyone 
treated it that way, but some absolutely spoke and wrote about this like it might actually be true. That's nuts. That's crazy. And when this becomes a thing, because people are so blinded by hate of one group of people or one side or the other or whatever, you become stupid when you do this. Clay Travis, who was on the Outkick Network right before this, I think Clay is one of the smartest people I know. Why? Because he doesn't ever get angry. He's never truly emotional or mad about anything. He does not let emotion blind his thinking on any topic at any time. I've never seen it. Rarely see him get mad over it. When you are constantly angry about something, you allow yourself to get dumb and believe things like Taylor Swift is in the CIA and that she's trying to win the election for Joe Biden. By the way, does anyone doubt who Taylor Swift voted for last go around and who she's probably voting for this time? Is that really some big debate? About what's going to happen? Of course it, it isn't. No, it's not, Chad, because they, uh, they're looking for her uh, endorsement again. There's a word at the end of that, endorsement again. Right. So, so she's done it once. So let's, let's go chronologically here. Uh, former President Donald Trump posted this on Truth Social before the game, okay. which I got to hand it to him. Pretty damn funny. He writes... I signed and was responsible for the Music Modernization Act for Taylor Swift and all other musical artists. Joe Biden didn't do anything for Taylor and never will. There's no way she could endorse crooked Joe Biden, the worst and most corrupt president in the history of our country, and be disloyal to the man who made her so much money. Besides that, I like her boyfriend, Travis, even though he may be a liberal and probably can't stand me. Now, that was from Donald J. Trump. Funny. I I got a laugh out of that. Now, here's the problem. For everybody on the far right that bought into this stupid conspiracy theory about Taylor Swift and Jason Kelsey being CIA operatives to win the election for Joe Biden, Joe Biden's camp, Joe Biden did not post this, I'm sure, but someone in Joe Biden's camp was smart enough and clever enough to post this when the Chiefs won, just like we drew it up with the laser eyes and the smile from Joe Biden. Now, that's not laugh out loud hilarious, but it's pretty damn clever. And you know what that dumb conspiracy did? It did the impossible. It made President Biden look clever for the first time in months. A guy who can't complete a sentence at many speaking engagements. He doesn't know any world leader. He's being ruled by a court to be mentally unfit to stand any type of investigation. That dumb conspiracy theory made him look clever. So bravo for everyone who bought into that, wrote about it, posted about it and thought it was legit in any way, you made Joe Biden look clever by doing that. Not smart. And this is the lesson in all this. Don't let your emotions make you overly stupid because you want to buy into something that is dumb. And if you believe that Taylor Swift and Jason Kelsey are being paid by the CIA to swing an election for Joe Biden, well, that's just flat-out stupid. Yeah. Laughable. It's all rigged. Everything. And the NFL and by leaned the way, into this, did, too. Did she endorse uh, Biden at no, the Super No, I don't Bowl? think she said anything publicly about the election. Yeah. But the NFL leaned into this also, the dumb stuff about it's rigged, it's rigged, it's scripted, it's scripted, it's scripted. Well, the NFL looks clever when they have the commercial where they lean into the joke about the NFL being scripted. Because, again, that, too, is dumb if you buy into that. Yes. Chad, you know uh, what's not, well, what's not scripted? Uh, Mahomes and Kelsey on the field. And it looks like it is at times because they're so good together. They're so insane. Well, sometimes it is. But there is no script. Sometimes it is. They go off script. They do. 
Uh, NFL general managers and head coaches try as hard as they can to copy the best in the league. Look at all the coaches that have ties to McVay or Shanahan. Certainly, uh, the, the tree for Andy Reid is lengthy as well. Look at uh, the type of quarterback and offenses we're seeing coming up from the college football ranks and who's having success. Quarterbacks and wide receivers slash tight ends should be trying to copy what we see from Mahomes and Kelsey. Because while we're, I'm trying to do a better job of, of in the moment realizing that I'm watching a, a generational type performance over a career with Patrick Mahomes, for instance. Because I don't think we generally realize what we're seeing. We're just comparing things to history instead of things that will come or may not come for a long time. Mahomes is greatness. The pairing of Mahomes and Kelsey is undeniably great as well. And something that no one else in the NFL playing quarterback or receiver or tight end is doing. There's a huge gap between the quarterback pairing of what we're seeing in Kansas City to uh, Mahomes and Kelsey to literally anybody. I would put probably Stafford and Cup next on my list. There's a huge gap between them. Injuries uh, and, and just the fact that what they're doing off script, knowing the mannerisms, knowing where the other player is going to be at a certain time, you can't replicate that. You can't copy that. You have to have that rapport, that chemistry that only they have. Mahomes says it's due to a lot of reps, but also they, they kind of jive from that they have the same interests. They kind of latched on and became friends. They like each other. And I think that's certainly part of it. But going down through the list in the NFL with Burrow and Chase or Tua and Tyreek Hill, um, you can keep going to uh, players like Prescott and C.D. Lamb. They don't have this. They don't have this clutch gene of the duo that you have with Mahomes and Kelsey that produce year in and year out and do it off script while knowing where every other player should be. That's not just Mahomes. That's also Kelsey. And Chad, thinking about, well, how are they pulling this off that no one else can do this? Because it's, it, players practice all the time. Off season, we, even prior to the trade, Jalen Hurts and, and A.J. Brown we're working out together, trying to get a jump start on everything. Tom Brady would fly out receivers left and right during the offseason to train. Vacation and train. No one's doing it like this. So we talked with Fox analyst Greg Olson at the Super Bowl in Radio Row and asked the former tight end about what this is like with the connection between quarterback and tight end. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not always running routes that are how you would draw it on a piece of paper. And, and what I mean by that is, so when a, when a defense preps all week, so for the last two weeks, this is the best way to explain it. For the last two weeks, San Francisco has a scout team, and they got a guy wearing an 87 jersey, and he's Travis Kelsey. And on every single formation they face, Fred Warner is saying, okay, there's 87. Dre Greenlaw, they're, they're all saying, okay, here's Kelsey. we got to find him. And when that coach holds up the scout card, it's a, you know, run 10 yards and yep. banging out, banging in. John Jennings out. is playing Kelsey yeah, or something. Whatever, yeah. whatever it is. He's, those scout team guys or those rep guys are running it exactly. That exact route on Sunday when Kelsey runs it, you've dropped all week. You know the landmarks two yards inside the numbers at 12 yards or whatever. The, he doesn't, that, that doesn't apply to him. 
they, him and Mahomes understand the timing of the drop, the protection of how much time Mahomes has to hold it, and give or take where the final landmark on the field is. As long as he gets there, however he gets there, get to that area, Mahomes can see it, he can let it rip from any platform at any moment. You, it's really hard to prepare for that because very few guys can do it. If most guys just ran routes that were kind of just improvised within a structure, the quarterback would be confused. The quarterback wouldn't be able to do it. They're one of the few duos in NFL history that just have the ability to play the game in a more freestyle manner that, if you can pull off, is very challenging for defenses to plan for. Because the other the receivers are actually running their route. And, yeah. And Kelsey knows yeah. where they're yeah. going to be and where he can – he's in the exactly. area. Yeah, and he knows what the other routes are going to do to the defensive coverages yeah. Yeah. as it's unfolding, and he knows where the dead spots in zone are. He knows when it's man. I got a guy taking the, taking the backside man defender out, so if I come out the backside of the route, there's going to be no one there. I don't have to stop. It's – Every, you don't get to Kelsey's point tomorrow. That's a long time to earn hey. the trust to run those routes. Andy Reid's not letting Rasheed Rice run routes exactly. like that. Exactly, but he let, he let Kelsey at some point. That's the other thing. He let Kelsey yeah. do this. You earn that trust over time. Yeah. yeah. Chad, it's few and far between that can have even the, the permission from the head coach to do this. Uh, but to pull it off as accurately and consistently as these two do, uh, it's – that's also generational. And quarterbacks and wide receivers across the league would kill for this. Some of it is that you know, players aren't sticking around with organizations very long. Um, different systems. you got coaches that go in and out, and that changes things too. But it's, it starts with the quarterback, but Kelsey's meeting him halfway. I, I truly believe this is 50-50. It's not all on Mahomes just drawing something up and playing playground. Kelsey also knows it, it, extreme film study is what this takes because you have to know where the receiver is going to be in your offense based on the defense, because the route may be an option based on what type of defense they're facing on that particular play. Rasheed Rice is going to run a certain route based on cover two, um, um, uh, different if they've got quarters. And Kelsey's got to know that, plus the pocket of the window of where he can go. I think it's it's epic. And uh, hats off to them that are going for the three-peat coming up in 2024-25. Well, and I'm just mentally going through different dynasties, and I'm just writing down Brady, Gronk, Brady, Edelman, Aikman, Irvin, Montana, Rice, Young, Rice. Um, And I know that was one title for that team, but I don't know who's even a close second right now to Mahomes and Kelsey. I mean, Stephon Diggs and and Josh Allen hate each other, or at least Stephon Diggs doesn't like the Bills at all times, right? I mean, there's just not that one that you say Tua and Tyreek. What if they won together? Even though Tyreek Hill is terrific and puts up huge numbers, I mean, go down the list. Lamar Jackson and any one receiver. I guess it's Mark Andrews would be his yeah, that guy be that's on him. the same wavelength. Yeah. But it's tough to find that, you know, Batman and Robin that are that connected and can bro it up with each other to that level yep. and are legitimate friends off the field that you'd point to in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brady had two. You mentioned Edelman and Gronk. Yeah. Uh, Manning and Harrison come to mind. But the, the difference is, too, Kelsey's not the burner, right? There's not a lot of uh, air yards in these, in these catches. It's not like the yards after catch. For a lot of these receivers, he's eighth in the li- on the list, but the difference is the position. And he's got the most receiving yards now with the, in, in postseason history. Um, and, Chad, I mean... It, and just thinking about 
the receiver versus tight end position itself. And, you know, the, the true burners that are, can take it all or that beat the coverage. A lot of times, Kelsey's just finding the open pocket. And I mean, there's not a ton of yards after catch uh, in regards to that. I, again, I think that makes it even more impressive because the defense is always around you. You know, you're, you're in the pocket where the defense is going to be around you, but they get the yardage necessary and they make the play. Yeah. Even if it's not the play called. No, it's it's a great point, and I again I'm I'm racking my brain to even find who would be second. You know, Cousins Jefferson doesn't quite have the same ring. Oh, in you're winning. Talking, you're talking about in, in history or just no now? now? Oh, but now I said it would be Stafford and Cup. Yeah, and that's so far behind. Yeah, those two. You think like about said, the yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a huge gap there. But uh, you know, Cup gets hurt. Stafford's banged up. I mean, there there is a longevity yeah. piece to this. Well, you and, and usually you know, there's always. When there was Brady Edelman, there was Manning, Demarius Thomas, right? There's always someone that's close that you can see. They're on the same wavelength. Great quarterback, smart quarterback, smart player. They know how to get open, know how to find the other one. I I don't really see – you're right. There's there's a gulf between Mahomes, Kelsey, and then the next best pairing. How about this for a little fact from Darren Ravel on Super Bowl viewership? Sunday Super Bowl was the most watched American broadcast since the Apollo 11 moon landing. But the moon landing was watched by 64% of America at the time. Super Bowl 58 was watched by 37% wow. of America. Who is wow. the 63% of America that doesn't watch the Super Bowl? I'd like to have a word with that, that 63% at some point. Are they working? And also, who was the 36% that didn't watch the damn moon landing back in 1969? Maybe someone without a television. I don't know. What were they doing? I mean, you see every every you know movie, everything in the past was always you know people sitting around a television watching. It's a, a fascinating with the percentages. Imagine once they reach more people, like with the you know everyone's now not everyone has the device. Our parents don't necessarily. The smart the smartphones, yes, but actually streaming services. My parents aren't watching that on their phone. I think the percentage take may everything with you. actually continue to go down. While the numbers go up. Yeah. Coming up, uh, more Super Bowl reaction. John McClain will join us. We'll dive into the uh, NFL draft order as well, which is now set. Will we see quarterback go top three uh, in in order with the teams that are quarterback needy in those spots currently? Straight ahead here on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with that and with rolls on here at outkick.com slash watch, as well as the social media platforms. You can catch us on YouTube at uh, the Outkick channel. John McClain joins us each and every Tuesday at this time. We say hello to the man in black, the general, John McClain. Uh, we covered the league for uh, nearly 50 years. John, good to see you. Hope things are well in Houston. Things are always well in Houston, and I hope you guys had a great time last week. It seems like you stayed busy and did have a lot of fun. Yes, and uh, you've—I mean—you've seen a lot of all these locations. Uh, Vegas for the first the first time hosting this. Chad and I both agree on this. They they crushed it. It's hard not to there, but also it's going to be in the rotation. I I say a lot like Arizona. Arizona's had three Super Bowls since two thousand seven, with the helmet catch, Malcolm Butler interception of Russell Wilson, and then uh, of course the one last year with KC. Uh, beating Philadelphia, I think that Vegas is going to have that same type of uh, rotation moving forward because of 
uh, everything that they offers, and it, everything's just so close together. Um, it's easy. It's walkable, albeit you have to walk a while. A while. It's walkable. It's a short Uber ride, even if it isn't walkable. And it's entertaining. That, that's what you want for a Super Bowl. One of the good things about having it there is they're used to having uh, big deals. And it's not like uh, when they had it in Jacksonville right, uh, or even Houston when it was such a, a big deal for the city and the area. You know, SoFi Stadium will be in rotation. They'll do it at uh, in uh, Cardinals home stadium. You know, they're going back to New Orleans, which I know people like in New Orleans, of course, because you can party and you can walk. Uh, I'm guessing Miami will be in there. You know, Atlanta Stadium is fabulous. The one that's interesting to me is uh, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, the Cowboys' home. It's the largest stadium in the NFL. They got the most people in there, which means they can bring in the most money. Plenty area around there uh, to utilize, including the Rangers' Globe Live Stadium. So there were ice storms there. Plus, they got caught in a ticket scandal. But usually everything Jerry Jones wants, he gets. Now he didn't get the final for the World Cup. He lost that to MetLife Stadium, and he still hasn't gotten another Super Bowl, which is amazes me. Uh, considering how influential he is among his among his partners, John, when you look back on the game, do you take issue with anything Kyle Shanahan did from a coaching standpoint in this game? Put any of the blame on him at all? I don't have a problem with them uh, taking the ball. The only advantage of having the ball second is if you got to go for fourth and one a lot. If you need a field goal, you know, if you got to try field, say it's fourth and 15, and you're trying a 52-yard field goal. John McClain with us. Uh, follow him on social. Right. McClain underscore underscore NFL. I think John may be back with us now. Keep, keep going, John. On, on, going forward on fourth down, having that knowledge, knowing to do that. Yeah, if you have the ball, if you have the ball second, you know exactly what strategy you have to use. It's like when the Chiefs went for it on fourth and one. And so something that would be very interesting, say it was like fourth and 10, and you could try a 55-yard field goal, or you had to go for fourth and 10. Well, if you trust your kicker, you're indoors, you go for the field goal. If you didn't, then you'd have to go for it. So, But I understand why Kyle Shanahan did it, because he wanted the ball third. Well, you're putting a lot of pressure on a defense and, and that had been worn out. Uh, the Chiefs just wore out their their pass rush, uh, their really their front seven, and I thought they did a great job of that. And I don't know if Kyle Shannon may have done that to try to rest his defense. Bottom line is they didn't make as many as many big plays as the Chiefs did. You lose to Patrick Mahomes in a situation like that. I don't think it's anybody's fault. I think it wasn't that Shanahan and the Niners lost it. It's the fact that Mahomes won it. John, everyone's chasing Mahomes and the Chiefs. And around the AFC, just looking at what they have in KC, they trade Tyreek Hill and they win back-to-back Super Bowls, which is crazy to know and think about. Um, and also, Mahomes is just 28 years old. What are the rest of the franchises thinking as they watch this play out? Well, they're thinking someday he may be chasing Tom Brady. I hear a lot of people saying he's better than Brady. That's preposterous. He's not better than Brady. Brady won seven Super Bowls. Brady came back from a 28-3 to deficit. 
Mahomes has come back from 10-point deficits. And when they played each other, Brady won. So Mahomes is young. You know, Brady went nine years between winning, and there's a lot of opportunities for him. Andy Reid turned 66 in March. You know, he may want to approach to at least 71, 72. This media perpetrated thing that he might retire or Kelsey might retire, but I didn't buy into that at all. I told every outlet I do last last week, what do you think? Andy Reid's going to play golf. You think he's, what is he going to do? Travel the world, mountain climb? Andy Reid's a football coach, and he's going to coach until they show him the door. Not many coaches do like Nick Saban and walk away when they're winning because that's what they do. And every coach that I know that that was shown the door wants to come back. They may have let him say that it was mutual decision or he decided, but that's what they are. And I think Andy Reid, as long as Andy's health is okay, and uh, he could coach another seven years, he's the one that may break um, Don Shula's all-time record rather than Bill Belichick and Mahomes has been very fortunate on injuries, especially considering the way he runs sometimes, but he's been very smart about it as well. And it doesn't really matter who the receivers are, who the offensive linemen are. Things change, but the one constants are Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and they sh- should be favored every year. I still can't believe they were two-point underdogs. I, same. So – Speaking of Andy Reid, 11 seasons, what, four Super Bowl appearances, three victories for him in Kansas City. In Philadelphia, 14 seasons, he had a run of four straight or four NFC championship appearances, then finally cracked the door and went to the Super Bowl, lost. Um, What do you make of Kyle Shanahan in just this comparison of the 10-point leads in the postseason, making it to the Super Bowl twice now with, uh, with San Francisco playing Kansas City? Is this the same type of path where... I mean, eventually, Kyle Shanahan's got to win, but he may not win there. It would help him if he had a great uh, quarterback. It's amazing, isn't it? I've told you guys before, the greatest achievement in Super Bowls was Joe Gibbs. He won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks you never mentioned in the same sentence in the Hall of Fame. When Andy was with the Chiefs and Alex Smith was the quarterback or when he was with the Eagles – he had uh, and Donovan McNabb was his quarterback. He was considered a really good coach who had clock management issues and game management issues. They were notorious. And when he was asked about it, he would bristle, of course. Every coach hates that. Then he made one of the greatest trades in history. He traded up to get Mahomes, and the rest is history. All of a sudden, he's a great coach. It's amazing the way that works, isn't it? Yeah, and Shanahan passed on Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. John, I, I, I'm still trying to process – watching Taylor Swift's boyfriend accost 66-year-old Andy Reid on the sideline because another player fumbled and he wasn't in the game. That was wild. Uh, We have not seen anything like that. We've seen a lot of coaches and players get into it when they're talking to each other on the sideline. I can't recall a moment, especially in a moment this big, where a player this big of his star power almost took the coach down, running into him and grabbing his arm, yelling at him in the middle of the game. Uh, I believe Travis Kelsey, I know that Andy Reid said I think he apologized to him. I think Travis Kelsey would be wise to go ahead and just tell the world, hey, I shouldn't have done that. I'll cool my head next time. Got a little bit carried away. The same way Patrick Mahomes came back the next day and apologized for looking like a lunatic after they lost the Bills in the regular season when he went after the officials. What do you think? Well, I agree. That's what Kelsey should have done. Uh 
in Peter King's Football in America, he talked about watching practice when he represented the Pro Football Writers of America and had to go to practice every day and turn in a Monday, mundane uh, practice report. He's talking about how competitive Kelsey was. And I've heard people say before that Kelsey is the most intense player on the team in practice because he's trying to keep everybody on their toes. So, yeah, he lost it. It made him look terrible. Uh, he caught Andy off, off guard. It's a good thing he didn't trip and fall. But uh, the fact that he came back in the second half and played great and helped uh, play a key role in the come-from-behind victory, I'm sure Andy would take that in every game. And uh, because I think the over-under on his yards, wasn't it 65-and-a-half or 66? And halftime, he had one catch for one yard. And all those people that took the over like, oh, my God. And I thought at the time the factor behind is good for people took the over because they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. Then, of course, he ended up with close to 100, and everybody that took the over was excited. Am I wrong? Am I bad for thinking he wants the football so they'll show Taylor Swift more in the, in the booth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he needed the football for Taylor Smith. What he needed was a victory. And it's so funny, and all the time that it was on, what was she showing, 57, 57 seconds out of all that? It was over 11 and a half times. I know that it hit the over. And, and I loved, and I loved, uh, I counted up yesterday, there were, I think, 26 prop bets you could have made on her. Wow. And it showed the percentage of what people bet on and whether it was yes or no or the over or under. It was fascinating. I think she's great the league and of course one of the reasons they had record numbers is because of all the people she brought uh to the viewership now, what a night for blake lively too being right there by taylor's side the entire time i spotted that right away i thinking, is that blake yeah that's blake lively next i didn't yeah, know I they were friends ryan, ryan reynolds made a joke about getting left at home and uh plus the fact she looked great and i think she always looks great and uh uh ice spice it was pretty <laughs> obvious she's she had no clue what was going on. I read about her. She's from Brooklyn. You'd think she'd know when to jump up and down. They were somebody was explaining things to her. And that's fine. And later on, I think she just watched Swift and the people with Swift and Lively. If they jump and scream, she jumped and screamed. The one that didn't get much attention I saw, and I looked back through all the celebrity stuff uh yesterday was Paul McCartney was in a suite with a beard sitting up at the top. And uh, was a couple other people, and he was identified, but you never saw him anywhere else. So he was very, very low key. And to me, Paul McCartney was the biggest celebrity. He was in Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey suite, or in a different suite. I can't remember if it was another one or if it was at, at the top of theirs. But people were leaving him alone, except the people next the, to him. The funniest one, the funniest tidbit about the suite from the night was everyone thinking the one guy behind Taylor Swift was CC Sabathia the former pitcher, and it was, in fact, just one of – and he looked just like him. But it's one of Kelsey's managers. It's one what of his was, three managers that was back there, but everyone was misidentifying him as C.C. Sabathia and curious how C.C. Sabathia got in that suite uh, with Taylor Swift and the Kelsey family. I'm curious about what you guys thought about your favorite commercial. Mine were, of course, the one for uh, Dunkin' Donuts, which is based in Boston, but I also loved the one with Christopher Walken. I thought – that was ingenious to get all those people to impersonate him for BMW. Yeah, I did the Ice Spice. You mentioned her. I hated her commercial, the starry one. 
That was I thought that was pretty dumb. Well, there was plenty to hate. Yeah, Ken Jong with Popeyes was good, where he was unfrozen from 1972 to have the best chicken wings ever. Um, there were some some good ones. Michael Sarah for Sarah V was also another was, good yeah, one. That was really good. There was I, I thought overall the Uber Eats with Jennifer Aniston not remembering Ross David Schwimmer from Friends was a good one. I thought it was a good year for commercials, John. Did you see? I'm always amazed at how many millions are spent to make them, not to mention buy them seven million for thirty seconds, and that they have some that are absolutely pathetic. And you're wondering, didn't they? Didn't they show this ahead of time? And it's embarrassing to me. It's embarrassing for the organization because if you remember all the products, that's the idea. And there's a lot of them they had, especially like that Timu company from China, which yeah. I think launched four different commercials. And uh, but uh, uh, I, there was four I really liked, including one the little kids, a little boys play for not a mere trade. I can't remember which trade it was playing pickleball with adults. John, uh, final thing for you: We're, we the official uh, draft. Uh, we, we've got the order out. We've got the the top three. We know we knew. Do you think right now we're going quarterback all three picks in the draft now that the the official order is set with Chicago, Washington, uh, followed by New England? I think if they're rated high enough to be taken there, they will be. I don't think any of them will reach. It's too valuable. I think Arizona probably at four will be able to take Marvin Harrison Jr., first non-position player. There's no way the Bears are not taking Caleb Williams. They're going to trade Justin Fields for the best deal. There's several teams like – you know, would Arthur Smith like to have him with the Steelers? He doesn't yep. seem like a Steelers-type quarterback. That is, he is not what Mike Tomlin has had before. What Atlanta won, he seems like he'd be a nice fail there. But remember, too, Kirk Cousins is an unrestricted free agent, and if you think you are a quarterback away from contention, you probably should get in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, even though – He's never been in a Super Bowl. I think it's either Justin Fields is a great one for Pittsburgh, uh, just with Arthur Arthur Smith. Tannehill, too. I mean, Tannehill is a good bridge there to compete against uh, if you're looking for a com competition with Pickett. No, nonetheless, though, uh, Pickett's going to be sweating going into training camp to, to, <laughs> to win that job. John, always uh, glad to have you on, man. Hope things are well, and uh, we'll catch up soon, especially uh, next week. I look forward to it. Thank you very much, as always. Yep, same here. There's John McClain, the Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Fame selector and member. Member of the Hall. Name he, on the wall. He's a Hall of Famer. Name that's, on the wall you know, at that's, the Hall. You could say that about John in any genre. Hall of Famer. Coming Hall of up, Fame in our book. Oh, yeah. Coming up in 30 minutes, uh, Trey Wallace will join us because he was at the hearing today the, uh, with the federal judge in Tennessee and Virginia, Virginia against uh, the NCAA. Uh, we will dive into that as well coming up. More headlines, including... Did Taylor Swift have Kanye West kicked out of the Super Bowl? And what were Kanye's motives that Taylor was onto? That's next on Hot Mike.